What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Let's get an early look at some sleepers right now. Welcome to another week of Fantasy Football today. we got a, a busy week for you. Sleepers, breakouts, bust, plus some dynasty talk. FFT and 5 is coming at you with Chris Towers. He's back. I'm Adam Azer. Jamie Eisenberg's here. Heath Cummings is here. Guys, uh, Samaje P. Ryan in his last two seasons with Cincinnati. Six games with nine or more carries. 14 or more PPR fantasy points in all six games. Elijah Mitchell, he's another guy we're going to talk about here. In the last six games that he played with McCaffrey, he had almost the same amount of carries. So we're going to talk about that. How's it going, guys? Weekendometer, 0 to 10. Jamie? Nine and a half. Excellent. Heath? Ten. Okay, good. You? You know, seven and a half. This is pretty boring. Really didn't do anything. But we got a big weekend coming up. We got three-day weekend. No show next Monday. Going to the beach. Going to the pool. So I was just saving up. Wait, we're saving my energy. All right. Um, give me your favorite sleeper right now as of June 12th. This will change. Uh, Heath, you can go first. My favorite sleeper right now as of June 12th. I, I mean, I think you said him. It's uh, it's Samaj P. Ryan. I chose all my sleepers, guys, that were outside of the top 100. I think you can use a variety of different ways to look at that. But if the first 96 picks of the first eight rounds, right now P. Ryan, I think, in around nine or around 10 pick, and that would definitely go up if we get the clear Jelante Williams is not going to be ready for week one. But I think it's more likely that we go through training camp kind of with a little bit of fuzziness as to what Javante Williams' status is. There's going to be some really good reports. There's going to be some more cautious reports. And we're just going to have to see when we get to real football how he performs. And I, so I think that gives P. Ryan an excellent chance of remaining a sleeper all through training camp. And even if Javante Williams plays week one, I still wouldn't expect Williams to be a full-time feature back. He wasn't a full-time feature back in college. He wasn't a full-time feature back when he was sharing with Melvin Gordon. Samaj P. Ryan was flat out better than Joe Mixon at times last year. And I think he's going to have that nine to 10 carries per game most of this season. Uh, Yeah, he was so much better than Joe Mixon. It was crazy. Uh, Mixon had two games all season in which he scored more than 19.3 PPR fantasy points. And that's the fewest amount of points that P. Ryan scored in his three games as a feature back, he scored 30 points, 19 points, 21 and a half points. If I'm rounding, uh, well, rounding for two of those anyway. Uh, so yeah, he was great. He just has the tendency to score. You know, I gave you that stat earlier, five of six games, uh, six games, uh, with nine or more carries in the last two years, 14 or more PPR points in every game. Well, he did score in five of those six games. So you don't know what to make of it. All right. I know that was actually a sleeper for Jamie too. He likes Samaj P Ryan just outside the top 100, but Jamie, give me another sleeper that you want to highlight. I'll stay with the running backs and go with Zach Charbonnet, you know, just based on the opportunity that he may or may not have, uh, hopefully may have, but, you know, depending on how uh, 
when Ken Walker's healthy, when he's still on the field. But I think there's a scenario similar to, to Denver. If we don't get, if we have, if we have Ken Walker missing any time, you know what this offense is still going to be. I think it's still going to be a situation where they're going to run the ball enough that Charbonnet will have an opportunity. But I think even in, in, in a situation where based on their draft, uh, draft position of taking Charbonnet in round two, that they're going to use him and, you know, get an opportunity to see if maybe he is better than Ken Walker. So he's going to be on a lot of my teams. I was torn when you were asking, you know, when you asked the question between Charbonnet and Quentin Johnson, because I, I think both guys, if they get the chance to be featured, you know, based on injuries, they could be pretty special in their respective offenses. So, you know, those are the type of players that you want, you know, the, the, the guys that you don't necessarily have to rely on, but if you do and they get opportunities, they could be league winners. And so Charbonnet and Quentin Johnson were the two that popped the mat. Yeah, it's interesting this time of year, we may have been talking about Ken Walker as a sleeper because he was going, I mean, I don't know, round eight to 10, depending on your draft and um, Rashad Penny. It, he did need an, an injury to Rashad Penny and then he became a must start fantasy star. Uh, so right now, if I'm looking at Fantasy Pros ADP, Ken Walker's RB16 and he's going in the fifth round of a 12-team league. Charbonnet is going in round nine, just outside the top 100, right, basically right, same range as P. Ryan. Jamie, is there a scenario where both guys are re- return that value where you've got, or, or both guys are worth starting? Maybe one is a flex because I just don't really see that. I feel like it's got to be one or the other, or they're both going to be basically sits and really frustrating. But uh, could you see a scenario where both of them at least return value? Walker round five, Charbonnet round nine. Will they both return value? No. Because no, one of them I, would have to catch a lot of passes, I feel like. And that's just, I don't know if I see that. I agree. I don't, I don't necessarily see it for, for, for both of them. You know, I, I, look, we're going to hear a lot of different narratives of Seattle will do this differently with the addition of Smith and the Jigba. Seattle will do that differently with the addition of, of Charbonnet. You know, and, and these are two players the reason I bring up Smith and the Jigba is because these are two players that we really haven't seen, at least I think, without the the like you brought up the the Penny Walker situation. We kind of knew that Rashad Penny has a hard time staying healthy, right. so there there was that understanding of why they may be invested in the running back position. Plus, Penny was headed to free agency. We've never seen two young running backs that have the ability, I think, to do what these two guys can do in the same backfield together for Seattle, unless I'm m- missing something. We've never seen a three receiver group for Seattle like this with this pedigree and, and proven ability uh, before. And so I, I think there's just going to be something that, that changes in one way, shape or form, you know, whether it's just, there's, they're spreading the ball out in the backfield, they're spreading the ball out in the receiving core and it's just frustrating across the board. Or we see maybe a more explosive Seattle offense that we've never seen before, which is why Geno Smith is, you know, certainly worth drafting as a starter. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it's all going to work, but no, I don't think it's going to, be a situation where they both return value. It's why I think Ken Walker in round five probably makes the most sense as opposed to, you know, rounds three or round four, which is where we've seen in some drafts. And I know Dave is still beating the drum for, you know, Ken Walker um, and, and hopefully rightfully so. But for me, I'm looking at Charbonnet first because of where he's going, which is late. Yeah. I just, I think there's a real, there's a lot more risk obviously in round five than there is in round nine. But I think there's more risk to Ken Walker that Charbonnet makes him a bust than there is that both are good or just justify their cost. Because if Charbonnet does everything as well as we think that he can, he's going to be better at catching passes than Walker, and he's going to be better in short yarders than Walker was. Um, yeah. And that would be a terrible th- – I mean, I just turned Ken Walker into the, the, the Ben Gritch trap back. <laughs> there, there's always reasons teams do things. Yeah. Like – you know, we sat here before the draft and probably would have said, okay, let's go through every team. What do we think they need? What do we think that they, you know, are probably not going to do? And I don't think anybody would have said, well, I think Seattle's going to go get a running back. No. They may, okay, this guy's available in rounds five, six, or seven. Makes some sense to add depth to our team. They went out and got a running back. You know, it was it, it seemingly was something that they they absolutely targeted. So what does that mean? Does that mean they don't trust Ken Walker? They don't love Ken Walker? They want to just, you know, make sure he's... You, you know, getting through the season because he did get a little banged up last year. There's just something that was off. And, and that's what always makes me concerned. Yeah. All right. Well, I am not concerned about the soccer I'll be watching on, when is this, Thursday. 
10 p.m. Eastern, and I will be watching this. I do not miss a USA-Mexico match, okay? Streaming live on Paramount+. Plus, The ultimate international soccer rivalry is renewed when the USA takes on Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. The U.S. is two wins from defending their title, and it's once again Mexico standing in their way looking for revenge. And this is more than just a match. This is a battle for regional bragging rights. USA versus Mexico this Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern. All right, who's staying up late with me? Streaming live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Try it free at ParamountPlus.com slash live sports. All right, I have a list of mutual sleepers that... You know, well, Jamie gave me a list of about half of the draft, so he gave me a lot of sleepers. <laughs> but, you asked he, for sleepers, I gave you. You gave me a lot, uh, which is good because they're all going in the same range, so we'll be able to group them. But uh, the the mutual ones were P. Ryan, the Texans wide receivers, and Romeo Dobbs. So we already talked about P. Ryan. Let's talk about the Texans wide receivers, and it starts with Nico Collins. I'm sure he'll be the first one drafted. Uh, but Heath, why don't you talk about the Texans wide receivers? Who's your favorite? They're all going pretty late, so sleep. what's the sleeper appeal here? Yeah, Nico's definitely my favorite, and I think by far the odds-on favorite to lead the Texans wide receivers in targets, receptions, fantasy points, all those things. I don't know that he's the most exciting because you can get Mechie later and you can get Tank Dell like in redraft. You probably take him at pick 200 and nobody's taking him. <clears throat> and I do, I do think it's possible that both Mechie and Tank Dell, if everything goes right— have more upside than Nico Collins does. Um, and so that's why I think I think it's interesting. Like I think you could see Nico Collins much more likely to be a number three wide receiver this year than either of those guys. But I'd be really surprised if Nico Collins is a top 20 wide receiver ever at any point in his career. I'm just not sure he's that special. Um, but I do think that C.J. Stroud is a good quarterback. I do think this offensive system is going to be creative at getting guys open, and the offense is going to be much better than it was last year. Somebody's going to see 120 to 130 targets most likely in the offense. Right now, Collins is the most likely, but all three, and I'm purposefully not saying Robert Wood's name. I just can't bring myself to mind. I mean, it's kind of the rule that we've talked about, and I, I struggle with it with Brandon Cooks too. When a guy at that age shows you that he doesn't have anything left, I think you should usually believe him. And it did, doesn't look like Robert Woods had anything left the last time that we saw him. So I think he's a great guy to have there with three young wide receivers that you're trying to teach how to be professional wide receivers. But I don't think he's really in the equation. It would be Nico, then it would be Mechie, then it would be Tank Dell. But I'm pretty excited, about, interested in all three. Yeah, and you know what? Let's throw Dobbs in this discussion, too. I'm going to read a, a group of wide receivers that are going in this range according to current Fantasy Pro's average draft position, and we're around wide receiver 60 right now in ADP. So Rondale Moore, Michael Gallup, Darnell Mooney, Nico Collins, a couple of guys on Carolina, Jonathan Mingo and Adam Thielen, and then you've got... Oh, Romeo Dobbs is in there as well. I, I skipped right over him. Um, so... Rondale Moore, Michael Gallup, Darnell Mooney, Nico Collins, Rondale, uh, Romeo Dobbs, pardon me, Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen. How high on that list does Nico Collins rank? How many of them would you rather have ahead of Nico Collins? You know, I, I think I have right now Collins and Dobbs back-to-back, and those are two guys that I, that I target quite a bit. I, I think you can see... You know, the upside and the downside clearly for both of them, um, given the uncertainty of quarterback, you know, just because two unproven guys and, you know, receiving cores that are certainly wide open. So there's opportunity there, but also clearly they're they're wide open for reason because, you know, these teams are, you know, I want to say in rebuilding mode, but, you know, you can say their they're receiving cores are in rebuilding mode. Um, to me, it's Collins and Dobbs, you know, I, and I think there's a lot of similarities between the Texans receiving core and the Panthers receiving core because, again, you know, there's just a lot of targets available, but uncertainty abound with quarterback and, and receiver play. Um, but yeah, I, I think he said it best about the, the Texans guys. And, you know, just to put Dobbs in the conversation, you know, we saw some very positive things in the beginning of the season. You're hearing very positive things coming out of the relationship between Jordan Love and, and Dobbs and minicamp. But, you know, they have uh, another young receiver in, in, in Reed that might, you know, take away those, those opportunities. And obviously Christian Watson, we're expecting him to be the best of the bunch. So it's just it's just a matter of, you know, I think that the pricing feels right. You know, when you get to this point in the draft, especially receiver heavy drafts, if these guys are still available based on their target shares and target potential, they're easy guys to draft. And then you just, you know, if you have to punt on them at some point early in the season, it's understandable why. Yeah, you have an opportunity to get 
at least in the Carolina and uh, Houston situations, you got an opportunity to get a number one wide receiver at wide receiver 60 in ADP. Well, I think it's also just, you know, like he said, what'd you say, 120 plus targets for Collins? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's what you're looking at for a lot of these guys yeah. based on their situations. You know, I mean, if they throw the ball enough, let's just, let's drop the number down to 100. You know, getting, getting a wide receiver in this range, the 60th range, 100 plus targets for, you know, the the Panthers guys, the Texans guys, you know, I'm going to say that the Packers guys, but obviously not Christian Watson because we expect him to be more than that. Um, the Giants guys are in this range. You know, I mean, there's there's just a lot of targets available. And so it's just you take those dart throws and just if if one hits, if Tank Dell hits, if, you know, Isaiah Hodgins hits, if Nico Collins hits, you know, I mean, they're they're easy not league winners, because I think he said it best. I don't think these guys are top 20 type of players. You know, it would probably take a special season for that to happen, but there's certainly great potential here for a good wide receiver three. I, I will say something else. Like, I think there's – I know we don't think there's the upside to be the number one in Green Bay because Christian Watson's got that locked up. And But I think there's almost more upside of the idea that if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young bursts onto the scene – I think they have more upside as passers than Jordan Love does. Like if you if you're telling me that that Jonathan Mingo becomes the new true number one for Bryce Young and he hits his potential in year one, that could be a special season for both those guys. Same same thing for Tank Dell, who CJ Stroud requested in the draft and wanted the team to go get. Like if CJ Stroud goes out and has a great rookie season for a quarterback, and Tank Dell's working the slot and his top target earner, it could be a monster payoff. Yeah, Are I, we underselling Jordan Love a little bit, though, with that? I don't – maybe. Um, I don't think he has the same the same pedigree or upside as Young and Stroud, but some people might. I can no, I would agree, agree with I, you. I would agree with you 100%. But yeah. I, I think, like, to 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 completely downplay – because I think that's the, the, the perception is, is Jordan Love can't do that or can't get there. He still was a first-round pick – that was drafted into a situation where he knew he had to sit unless the Packers, or they knew they were going to sit unless right. the Packers were going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Like, imagine if, you know, I mean, even Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes had to sit for, for a year because they knew right. that situation, you know. So maybe it is, a, and, and I know that's going to sound crazy that Jordan Love becomes that, but that's not the case. But, if, you know, maybe Jordan Love does have this, this ability to, I would hope, be better, or at least on par with those guys, yeah. you know. And, and where would he be if he was in this class? Well, I think if he were in this class, I think Andy Reid would know who he was. So, you know, we gotta, sure. he's got to get that. <laughs> he's got to get that first. I um, just think it's interesting because, like, Love has an advantage over Stroud and Young in that, he, like, he's not a rookie. He's gone. We've seen that, that matters, that sitting and the experience and all that stuff. But I'm not so – I'm not 100% sold that Jordan Love's going to be better than Kenny Pickett is this year. Fair, yeah. You shouldn't I mean, be. Yeah, I agree. You're you're 100 right. I mean, uh, especially because you figure they're going to run the ball quite a bit in Green Bay. They're going to try anyway. Right. Um, but he I, does know his system. He does yeah. have you know some familiarity with his receivers because he's played with them at least. You know, so we'll see. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll tell you which two fantasy stud running backs might hold out. We'll tell you that right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You probably figured it out, but Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, they are still unsigned. They were put, the franchise tag was placed on them. Um, but Barkley said he's not sure if they're going to get a deal done by the July 17th deadline. He did not rule out holding out. And indications seem to, seem to be that 
the situation could be a little bit worse in Las Vegas with Josh Jacobs, just based on his rhetoric. It's been a little bit more pessimistic here. But Jamie, what do we need to know about these two situations for Barkley and Jacobs? I think it'd be very surprising if they did not play. I know Barkley sort of indicated sitting out the year is not out of the realm of possibility, but I, you know, hopefully Le'Veon Bell's situation taught us and taught him that that might not be the best thing, despite the fact that Le'Veon still got paid. It didn't lend itself to being a good career move long-term. Um, there's still time. I would hope that the, the Giants and Barkley can come to some sort of agreement. We clearly see what this position has become. It has been completely devalued. It's understandable why. Uh, on the NFL side of things, it sucks for running backs and the people that the the people that play that position. Um, it certainly is bothersome for fantasy managers because we rely on that position so much and those players so much. So you'd like to see them compensated because we root for them. Uh, however, you know the 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 situations being what they are, I would be very surprised if they don't play. I think they have to make a stand to a certain degree, but the Raiders. The Giants, um, they, I, I don't want to say they have options because you don't want to necessarily turn to what's out there because clearly those guys that are out there for reason, Zeke, Fournette, Dalvin Cook, you know, some of it is monetary, some of it is, um, you know, circumstances. But in any event, look, I, you know, I, I hope that we get them in camp. I hope that we get them by week one and it's all settled. Yeah. Was that you, Heath, who clicked on that comment? That, that was. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you would enjoy that. Um, no, and I, I DM, and I don't know, like, you guys might disagree. I'm, I'm planning on buying the dip. Like if if these guys I don't don't show up for the first week of camp and and their ADP falls, I I just can't believe they saw how it worked out for Le'Veon and that's the plan they're going to follow. I also agree with everything Jamie said about why they're upset. That's justified, but yeah. eventually they're just going to play, probably. Yeah, <laughs> they they don't they don't they don't make as much money as other positions. However. Just to take the other side, if Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs sign their franchise tags, they will make $10 million this year. Most people listening to this will never don't make $10. That's absurd. You can't, I'm just, you can't. Don't ever I'm just saying, again. they're fine. No, don't ever do that again. No, they're it's fine. So they're fine. They're they're fine. They could retire right Everybody now else and be fine. watching this that would be so happy to have that is not talented and cannot do that thing. They deserve They deserve it. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just not crying for them because <sighs> they're going to be awful, paid. Awful. No, one, no, one is, no one is crying for them. But first off, they still have to sign that deal and play on that deal to get that money. Of course, um, yeah. So I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying like $10 million is a lot of money. They've already made plenty of money. That Charles, oh, uh, don't do Saquon that. This Barkley, is the worst. This is your worst take. I'm not going to put it in the Twitter thread, but this is by far your worst take. That ten, my take is that ten million dollars is a lot of money. That's a bad no. take. No. If you, if you, <laughs> all right, let, let's let let let's try and put this in perspective here. If you were hosting a podcast with a bunch of Forbes billionaires, uh-huh. and you were and you were uh, and they were they were getting paid that way because they were on the show, but because you as the host, because anybody could host a podcast, because you as the host are not getting paid to the same level, would you be happy about that? Wait, well, I'm sorry. What was your question? You're hosting a show uh-huh. of uh, let's say let's say everybody else on the show is a millionaire. Yeah. I'm trying to use a different scenario because I don't want people to think that we make well, that much money. I think you could even <laughs> just go a little bit a little bit different. Like let's say one other guy on the show is extremely mediocre at his job, but they just gave him twenty five million dollars. <laughs> just medi- mid as can be they gave him more than that and they gave him 30 million dollars and then people are telling you who is are clearly better at what you do and more important to the show people are telling you you should just be happy with 10 million it's a lot of money i'm not saying that they don't have a right to be upset i'm just saying they're gonna make 10 million dollars this year uh. that's not bad that's not bad okay it's it's both sides are playing both sides um, all right. Anyway, more news. DeAndre Hopkins is going to visit Tennessee and New England this week. If you had to choose between those, he's already two- in Tennessee. Oh, that's today. Okay. Well, he posted a he posted a video on Instagram of him in a looks like a limo uh, driving through Tennessee. Okay. What which team would you prefer, Titans or Patriots? Go real quick. Go for him. Yeah. So we get to decide how much money he's going to make. <laughs> um, if I were him, I'd go to Tennessee if that's the choice. He's made a lot more than $10 million. I don't even know why he still expects to be paid. He should just be the, – the Cardinals are already paying him $20 million for this year when they cut him. He should just be offering to play for free. Um, Chiefs. 
<laughs> Aaron Rodgers said that Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson could at some point be the best cornerback and wide receiver in the NFL. High praise. Right. Yeah. Uh, Zach Jackson of The Athletic says that Cleveland wide receiver Elijah Moore uh, has lined up all over the formation, so not just in the slot. He was the most targeted player throughout the the open practices, and he's an easy pick as an early breakout candidate. Well, to be fair, I don't think Amari Cooper spent a lot of time on the practice field because he's coming back from an injury, so factor that in. And I don't know if David Njoko was there either. So uh-huh. both those guys are going to be, I think, pretty big factors. Right, and DeAndre Hopkins isn't there yet either. So uh, He's going everywhere. It's, it's yeah. got to be the, 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 the best offseason of any player. Vikings offensive coordinator Wes Phillips said that running back Ty Chandler has to be ready for an expanded role. So would he be your, your second favorite, Ty Chandler, behind Madison? I would guess he's going to eventually settle in as the number two guy going into the season. But I still think we're going to see uh, a, a backfield by committee overall. But certainly if there is a Alexander Madison missing time situation, then I think we'll see Chandler, Noagnu, and McBride all getting a chance to split that role. Okay, a couple more notes here. Tim Twentyman of DetroitLions.com, he said that rookie tight end Sam Laporta has gotten a lot of targets and a lot of red zone targets. And uh, we already talked about Zach Charbonnet, but Greg Bell of the News Tribune said that uh, don't be surprised by Zach Charbonnet's playing time and opportunities. Okay. What if they just don't play any tight ends? They just play two running backs and three wide receivers all the time? Be set. No idea what that what they're gonna do. But we're gonna talk about Geno Smith shortly. Uh, so Schaefer, we got a we got a promo to run. You ready? All right. Everybody sit back and watch. We'll be right back. And how about this? Get ready for nonstop action that will have you say, You gotta be kidding! Oh my Canada. What a play and what a finish. That's a pretty good football, eh? He's gone all the way to the it's the Canadian Football League, Friday on CBS Sports Network. All right. Sleepers. Heath, the rest of your sleepers are Antonio Gibson, the Bears running backs, Jamie had Rashawn Johnson on his list, and David Njoku. Antonio Gibson. Go ahead and make the case for Gibson. All of these guys, by the way, outside the top 100, some of them well outside. Antonio Gibson, go. Yeah, I don't think Antonio Gibson should be anywhere close to the top 100. I think he should probably be in round eight, maybe even in round seven. I mean, it should be should be outside the top 100 at all. I said that backwards. But there's been a, a lot of talk in Washington about the offense that Eric Bieniemy is going to run. I think there was a really clever headline there increasing their screen time, and it was not about iPhones. Uh, a, a lot of plans for uh, for screens in this offense. And I don't believe that Brian Robinson's going to be on the receiving end of most of those screens. I do think it will be Antonio Gibson. Ron Rivera seems to like Gibson a lot more now that Scott Turner is gone. I'm not sure that Brian Robinson's going to fully dominate the early down work either. I actually like Gibson as my favorite Washington running back, and I think he has a decent chance to be a low-end number two. Ooh, you think he should be, Gibson should be a round eight pick, huh? Or earlier. Ooh, wow, that's hot. That's hot. Jamie, what do you think? Uh, no, I don't disagree with that, you know, especially in PPR. I, I think you, you could see a situation where this, if if Ron Rivera lets Eric Bieniemy run the offense that he wants to run, and this is not an Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy situation. This is just more of a Ron Rivera saying, I'm a defensive guy. We have to, you know, ground and pound our way to uh, a 12-11 victory. Um, I, I, I think Gibson makes a lot of sense. And it's just a matter of does this now no expectations because we put a lot of expectations on Antonio Gibson as fantasy analysts and fantasy managers and fantasy players. Um, does the lack of expectations and, and the, the buying the dip on, on Gibson make uh, a lot of sense? I don't want to overvalue him. I still think Robinson will be the first and second down guy. And I think Robinson might surprise us a little bit in the passing game if they use him in that capacity. But uh, Gibson is going to be one of the better Number four running backs that you will take because not only will he factor in in tandem with Robinson, if Robinson gets hurt, then I think we could see him really take off. Would you take Antonio Gibson over James Conner? No. No. James James Conner should should be going in like round four, though. If I were doing a sleepers (laughs) list, Conner would be the first guy on my 
sleepers list. Um, but he's not going in round four. He's going in round like six or six. Oh, he's going 85th. So um, that's why I put him in there with Gibson. Would you take? Well, I mean, let's also keep in mind that most of the fantasy pros ADP we're looking at is best ball. Well, it's it's just the running the wide receivers get pushed up pretty high and the running backs fall. But uh, would you take Gibson or James Cook? Uh, Cook. I have them back to back, but I have Cook one spot higher. Okay. Another guy you want to talk about is well, the Bears running. You guys can both talk about this here. The Bears running backs. Um, does it? Are they all going late enough where the value doesn't really matter? You just take the one you like best because they're all like I said. Let's see when's Khalil Herbert going. Well, I think I think there's a, like the, kind of. It depends on how deep your draft is. Like in a in a draft where it's 15 rounds and you're picking a defense and a kicker, then yeah, they're probably all going close enough to where it's just whichever one you like better. If it's a 20 round best ball draft, I think there's a significant difference between where they're going. But I do. They're all undervalued. I've got Khalil Herbert in round eight. I've got Deontay Foreman in round 10. And uh, I don't. I think it's actually Herbert that's going in round ten, and Foreman that's going like in round fifteen or round sixteen. I, I, my expectation, and we'll see how Roshan Johnson mixes in, is that it's kind of going to be a competition between Herbert and Foreman. I think Herbert's getting the first crack at it, but one of those guys will have that fifteen carry per game role, and one of them will be a back out to that role, and then Roshan Johnson's eventually going to take the pass catching role um, that Travis Homer will probably do early in the year. Uh, it, sometimes we look at a backfield and we go, you know what? I'm just avoiding it. Does anybody feel that way about the Bears? Not at this cost. Not at this cost, no. Okay. And Herbert is, for Heath, the highest rank. Jamie, Herbert, the highest rank for you? Yeah, Herbert's the highest ranked. I, I, look, I, I think we're all hoping, based on what we saw from Herbert in the, in the two games that Dave Montgomery missed last year and the times that they've used him a little bit more extensively, that he's the one that takes off. For me, the second one is, is Roshan Johnson, mostly because I think... This is the type of player that got buried in college behind a very talented running back, and I think we'll show some things in the NFL that we did not expect. And so I'm, I'm, I'm more excited about him than I am Foreman. And so he's the one that I would take a, a shot on first. I almost think that Foreman's going to be kind of in a similar role where they're not going to use him unless there's an injury to Herbert, and then he gets an opportunity, unless Rashawn Johnson's just that good. And so I don't, I don't really have a lot of stock uh, I don't really want to have a lot of stock in Foreman unless it's just, you know, last round pick. I'll take a flyer on somebody that may stand out in this backfield. But uh, I think for me, Herbert is, is is the one you look at, especially if he continues to fall. But Roshan Johnson, based on cost, is the one that I'm going to have the most shares of. Okay, a couple of comments in the chat here. I'm surprised Heath didn't click on this one. Heath kind of looks like Christian Bale. Okay. It's just a different every season. It's a new it's a new celebrity. <laughs> and uh, I did not expect Christian Bale to be the celebrity this year, but let's let's go with it. Let's keep that one. Adam's hair looks like it's peel and stick. I don't I don't know what that means, but Are you at wig territory yet? Uh, I mean, I guess so. I, no. Well, it looks like it apparently. I can see kind of it's doesn't it's not sitting well today, so it looks a little fake. I, I, I get that. All right, last sleeper for Heath is David Njoku. Uh all right, so Go ahead, David Njoku. Well, this goes back to the, uh, I think you have to believe in the tight end buckets to believe in David Njoku. Oh, good. I'm glad you said that. I have to put it in my notes. I have to call you out on something. Okay, go ahead. I'm very excited. You can talk about Njoku <laughs> Good. I, I don't remember which thing it was, but because um, Kevin Stefanski's offense has pretty consistently had a role for pass-catching tight ends, usually multiple pass-catching tight ends. We saw Njoku stay healthy last year for the most part, played 14 games, and really stepped into the lead role, earning 80 targets in those 14 games. I think all the signs that the Browns have given us this offseason is that they are going to live and die on Deshaun Watson and throw the ball a lot more. And so I, I think there's a chance that Njoku's targets actually go up, despite the fact they added Elijah Moore and drafted some wide receivers. And he was basically a low-end top 10 tight end last year. If Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson again, and they throw the ball a league average number of times, not even a lot, then Joku has a good chance to be a top five tight end. He averaged the same amount of points as Evan Ingram and doesn't get discussed even close. You know, And Ingram's getting Calvin Ridley added. Uh, so they're, they're not even close in terms of the way they're, they're evaluated and discussed, at least in my opinion. Uh, Ingram and David Njoku. It's just weird. It's like I, I have a hard time... Draft. What's his upside? What's Njoku's upside? Um, that he, 
Top, I, I t- think I just what? said if Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson and they throw the ball a league average number of times, he could be a top five tight end. You said that? <laughs> the literal words that came out of my mouth. <laughs> On this show, you said it? <laughs> this is why I'm not a billionaire. Uh, I don't know. Like top five, it seems kind of rich. But okay, uh, actually, it doesn't seem rich because top, top five is not that hard to do. <laughs> what do you think his upside is, though? Uh, so anyway, let me call you out on something now that I'm completely embarrassed. You said on the previous show you were you were Adam's bull predictions. You didn't buy that uh, that Jameer Gibbs could be a top five running back, and you said, "Oh, what are they going to do? Laporta and Jamison Williams and like all these targets. What are they going to running back buckets?" Someone said it on YouTube. This goes completely. That argument you made goes completely against everything you ever say to me. Which is but position buckets. That's my response to that that complaint about my Jameer Gibbs bowl. I call. think you were projecting a lot more catches for Jameer Gibbs than DeAndre Swift had. I was projecting about 70, 70 to eighty, and Swift was kind of on pace to be like close to sixty. So not a lot more. So you were more. expecting the bu- the bucket to grow, and I was saying yeah. it'd be difficult for it to grow when they've added more weapons at other places. Yeah, whatever. All right, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Buckets losing tonight, Nuggets in five. That was another bull prediction I made, okay, when it was 1-1. Don't, don't for, you forget it, people. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Jamie's sleepers right after this on Fantasy Football Today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we're going to break them out into positions. We always start with quarterback. Let's Let's start with running back here. Jamie gave me a whole list of sleepers. Samaj P. Ryan was one of them. The Dolphins running backs, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, between P. Ryan, the Dolphins running backs, Zach Charbonnet, who is your favorite right now? Well, again, you asked me this question, and I told you Joe Charbonnet. All of them? No, I did not ask you that. Uh, well, well, you said you, you gave a blanket <laughs> statement. Who's your favorite? Yeah, but that was after P. Ryan was off the board. That P. Ryan was off the board at that point. Um, I think let's talk about the Dolphins guys, because let's assume Dalvin Cook does not go there. (laughs) Then you have a a very wide open backfield that could be a lot of fun if one guy does stand out and stays healthy. And I think it's, it's a little disrespectful to, uh, Raheem Mostert that we, you know, harp on the, the injury situation for him. He did only miss one game last year. So to his credit, first time with a new team. And past age 30, he stayed healthy. That being said, we expect him to get hurt. So, you know, if he if he does um, if he does miss any time, Jeff Wilson to me is the most intriguing because I, I think you know A Chain is going to probably be the first one drafted because he's a shiny new toy. And all you're gonna hear is about his speed. He's already got one great positive report uh, from OTAs. I think it was in Sports Illustrated. They said he looked just different out there. His speed stood out, you know, amongst the, the group, but again, shorts and t-shirts. So I, I want to see if Dalvin Cook does not end up in Miami, what they do, who gets the first carry in the first training camp practice. I really want to see what, what, what they do. You know, is it the veteran, you know, honor roll of Mostert gets the first touch and then Wilson and A-Chain and they sort of work it in that way? Do they give A-Chain the opportunity to be a starter? 
Um, it's almost similar to the bear situation. You know, you, you take the last one of the group and that might end up being the best one of the group. It's almost like what we used to say about the 49ers running backs. Right. But also you take, take the last one, you could end up with a group that's just not worth having, right? Is this, is this one where you say, eh, I'm just going to avoid it. I guess not. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, I, I, um, I don't know about you, Jamie, but I, like, I really struggle with this group of like P. Ryan, A. Chain, Mostert, Wilson, and Charbonnet. I, I don't know who my favorite is. That's not fair. First of um, all, <laughs> I didn't include the Dolphins in that original question, and P. Ryan was off the board. So you, what you're taking – who are you taking first, Charbonnet or P. P. Ryan? P. Ryan. P. Ryan. Okay, so, so P. Ryan would be your favorite. So that question was not answered earlier. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about Rashad Penny – and Damian Harris, who do you prefer? They're going back to back right now, 111, 112. Rashad Penny, Damian Harris. I prefer Harris um, mostly because I, I, I still want to believe in DeAndre Swift. Um, and and I, I know what happens to Rashad Penny, unfortunately, with has been a problem in his career. But I, I think if Penny ends up being at least in a 50-50 timeshare with, with DeAndre Swift, in the beginning part of the season, he may pull away from Swift if he stays healthy and can have the type of season we've been waiting for him to have because that offensive system is so good. And we saw what Miles Sanders did last year. You don't have to catch a lot of passes to still be a number two running back in this team. You know, you should, you don't have to even be the, the, the featured goal line option because of what the quarterback does to still be good running back on this team. Now, again, you're probably not going to be a top five guy, top five guy. I mean, you heard, you heard that um, a top five guy. Um, but you know, you can still be, especially at this value, uh, a, a top 20 guy. And so Swift has had his own injury concerns. So Penny definitely has the higher ceiling. Cause I think, you know, unless the, the Buffalo offense changes, which I don't think is going to change, even if Josh Allen does run less that Damien Harris is going to morph into this stud running back. You know, he just, I think is got a chance to be the best Buffalo running back. I would still take James Cook first, but I think Harris could be that guy based on what I think. Sean McDermott wants. He wants a physical running back that can move, and that's certainly more so Damien Harris than it is James Cook. Yeah, I think I like Penny better just because I think it's more likely that Penny could give me a month of difference making. I think Harris, like if I had to bet on who's going to score more total fantasy points this year, it would be Harris. I think Harris is going to have a role and maybe even score 10 touchdowns if they take him away from Josh Allen. But I also think that Harris is going to be kind of a nightmare to decide when to start as long as James Cook is healthy. For DeAndre Swift to be worth starting, he's going to have to have more of a running game role. He's going to have to have more of a role than Gainwell and Boston Scott did last year. Uh, when you look at the Eagles, 259 carries for Miles Sanders, and Gainwell had 53 and Scott had 54. Hertz had 165. But Penny, you don't see him dominating carries the way Sanders did, do you? Be more of a split? Well, what? I mean, how do you know which one of them is going to get hurt first? Okay, let's say they're both healthy. That seems unreasonable. <laughs> Week one, they're both healthy. I mean, Swift is going to eat into Penny's carries more so than Gainwell and Scott did Sanders, I would think. I, I don't think you see Gainwell and Scott having a big role if both those guys are healthy. Given, no, no. given what they're given what they're abilities are no that's not i'm sorry that wasn't my question my, my question is, gainwell and scott didn't really do anything it didn't really eat into miles sanders running role you're saying the backup's eating into the starter i, yeah, I don't think this Swift. is a clear-cut i don't think this is a clear-cut featured guy on this team if they're right. both healthy right in other words rashad penny if he plays 17 games will not have 259 carries like penny like sanders did what do you think if deandre swift is healthy yes. if deandre swift is healthy Heath, but you, i, you I think you're going to get probably 150 120, 100 to 150 carries between those two guys each. I was trying to do the math on what the other guys had. And that was six and a half carries a game, it looks like, and 15 Gary carries for Sanders. I bet there are two more running back carries and two fewer Jalen Hurts carries this year. Uh-huh. Uh. So may, maybe it's 13 and 10. Could be more Jalen Hurts passes, though. But all right, yes, next up, I would think for sure. Let's talk about Elijah Mitchell. He played six games with Christian McCaffrey, including the postseason. And in those six games, he had oh, how do I not have this? He had 45 carries, and McCaffrey had maybe around 60. Sorry, I don't have the exact number um, for McCaffrey, but it was really close. Uh, Jamie, what's the, what's the sleeper pill for Mitchell? Is it just handcuff, or is it more than that? 
It's a little bit more than that. I, you know, I, I think you could see a situation where they run the ball so much and so successfully, especially if the quarterback situation is going to be a little bit dicey early in the season, that there's going to be an opportunity, especially as we saw early in McCaffrey's tenure in San Francisco, that the fourth quarter guy was a little bit more Elijah Mitchell, especially the clock killing options. So it's just, are you ever going to feel comfortable starting him when McCaffrey's healthy? No. But should McCaffrey miss any time, you know what Elijah Mitchell's capable of. We saw it in his rookie season. I'm sorry. So, uh, I got the numbers wrong. My bad. So Mitchell had 45 carries in the regular season, but he played six games with McCaffrey, including two postseason games, and McCaffrey only had five more carries than Mitchell. I don't know what you guys think about that. It was 67 carries for McCaffrey and 62 for Mitchell. I also don't remember if McCaffrey left the Dallas playoff game with an injury. I feel like he did, but I didn't see anything about it on the Google but anyway, it was very close, um, and it wasn't just a garbage time thing. Garbage time was going to Jordan Mason for the most part. Uh, so I don't know. Like, does that increase the sleeper appeal of Elijah Mitchell? Does it not matter? We're taking Christian McCaffrey maybe number two overall, maybe number one overall. I think it's kind of like Chubb and Hunt, except if Chubb had taken all the passing downs. Like he's yeah. going to – I think he's going to have a Kareem Hunt-like role in the running game, and that some weeks that might mean two touchdowns. But he's a bi-week replacement unless McCaffrey gets hurt. Okay. Sorry to cut you off there, Jamie. I want to get to all of your players here. Let's go to your wide receivers. Okay. Uh, oh, just other guys that Jamie likes. He talked about Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, and Jalen Warren as late-round picks. Uh, wide receiver, Gabe Davis. These guys are all outside the top 100. Gabe Davis, Elijah Moore, Quinton Johnston. I don't know where you want to go with this. The Ravens receivers, Sky Moore. We talked about Dobbs. We talked about the Texans. Isaiah Hodgins is basically free. So the, the highest end ones are Gabe Davis, Elijah Moore, Quentin Johnston, and the Ravens wide receivers, Jamie. Um, I mean, Gabe Davis is, is the most intriguing to me just because he's still in the in – the, he's basically the same spot he was going into last year, you know, without uh, a lot of competition. I know they added Dalton Kincaid, but, you know, you, you take away what maybe Isaiah McKenzie was going to be, what – they're going to get out of the other options there. And, and I think Davis, you know, the fact that they, at least as of now, don't have a DeAndre Hopkins, another strong outside threat. Um, you've, you've illustrated this better, I think, than anybody of what he was starting to look like after the foot ankle injury that he sustained in week one prior to the elbow injury for Josh Allen. And he had a couple of big spike games. Wasn't a lot of targets, but a couple of big spike games. But he started to get some six target games mixed in there as well. And he's not a guy that's going to you know, consistently get eight-plus targets on a, on a weekly basis. But we know he could have a three-catch, 172-yard game. He did that last year um, where he could just completely win a week for you. And so, you know, I, I think just given the the free fall uh, by comparison, he was 60. His ADP last year was 60. Hmm. And, you know, to Heath's credit, he, he said he would be a bust, and he was. Um, but I, I think, again, the, the cheaper price tag that you're getting for the same player, same role, same quarterback – it's extremely worth your time to invest in Gabe Davis because you 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 know you can get a guy that can win you a few weeks. Another one of our sleepers from today's show that I think should be going in round eight. That's going in after pick one hundred. But yeah, I, I I think he's going to be better than he was last year, and he's exactly he's still the same guy. There's not anybody they've added that's going to impact his targets. I don't think. And the Ravens wide receivers, they're all pretty much going, you know, in the same range as Bateman, the first one. That's a little surprising to me. Bateman, Beckham, Zay Flowers is how it's being drafted right now. Um, actually, uh, who did we just say? Was it Matt Harmon who said he really liked Rashad Bateman? I might be mixing up my beyond the box score guests. But one of our guests really likes Bateman as a, I don't know, post-type sleeper, whatever you want to call it. Uh, anyway, Jamie, who's the one you draft first? At this point, I would draft Flowers first, but I could see it being Bateman. You know, it's going to be, again, similar to what happens. It's going to be, depending on what happens in, in camp, you know, I mean, we're, we're still wanting to see, I think everybody, whether you like him or not, what Beckham looks like coming off of your miss, of miss football, you know, especially with a new team, new quarterback. Um, Flowers is, you know, the one I think that has, I, I would hope at this point, the most upside just based on what that term means. But Bateman is, you know, a guy that has the most rapport with Lamar Jackson. He's a guy that we were looking at last year as somebody who's going to step into the Marquise Brown role or targets and, and, and step up. And he just couldn't stay healthy, had the foot injury. So the fact that he's healthy now, you know, Lamar Jackson should be a 
should be given the opportunity based on all the reports and the new coordinator, the chance to throw the ball more. And, and I think all these guys will benefit. It's, again, very similar to the um, Packers, Texans, Panthers. You know, there's just not a definite guy that is going to just dominate targets. And, and again, factoring Christian Watson. But, you know, there's, there's, there's an opportunity here to get a guy, if not three, that could compete for 120 plus targets. And why not take a chance on that given the cost? Yeah, I, I think if Bateman is healthy, he's really being overlooked um, because he's basically played one season's worth of games. He played 18 games. One of those games, he did not record a stat, um, played 17% of the snaps. So basically 17 games, 61 catches, 800 yards. Um, you know, if you get 800 yards in your rookie year, Adam. Yes, oh, that's well, that's over two seasons, but... Uh... It's <laughs> over 17 games. Right, uh, but like his his thing is he's not been able to stay healthy. I think if he's able to stay healthy, he's always crazy, game. but always fact. That's just an Azer stat. That's right. He 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 could still be every good as the Ravens thought he could be when they drafted him. Uh, it is nine hundred yards in your rookie oh, season. Not close. No, not not that close. Uh, give me thirty seconds on Isaiah. <laughs> give me thirty seconds on Isaiah Hodgins, Jamie. Uh, give me 30 minutes he, on Isaiah Hodgins, actually. He's going to be an outside receiver for the Giants, and they don't really have a lot of those. And so, you know, between him and Darius Slayton, I think you saw last year that Daniel Jones and, and Hodgins had a good rapport after he came over to the Giants from Buffalo. And so, again, he's like, what, pick 221 or something like that? He's in mm-hmm. the 200s on, on ADP right now. Based on the way he finished and, and what his, his situation is, I like him better than Slayton, and I think he may end up being the best Giants wide receiver if Wondell Robinson's not healthy. It does not appear that he has a single drop in his career, and he does not have a ton of catches. He only has 37. I was going to say. <laughs> that is sort of his reputation. He just catches everything. He's a reliable player, and that is 30 seconds on Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> but still, I mean, that's pretty good. 37 catches been without in the a drop? For three seasons. He's been in the league for three seasons, and he does not have a drop in his career. Over 37 catches. Two, uh, two se- well, two seasons where he's actually played. Well, so, well, played is tough. He was dressed. in one game. And like, yes, he basically did not play his first two years after being drafted. I think no drops is impressive. I don't know about you, it, but it I like really no is. drops. Yeah. So, but does he have top five upside? I don't. I I didn't ask. I I would know. And even if I did ask, I still wouldn't know. All right, quarterbacks. We've got three of them. I'll se- I'll separate this into three groups. Three of them going between pick one hundred one and one ten. Goff, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson. Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson. Who's your fave? Uh, Geno Smith is my favorite. Uh, for now, Goff is second and Russell Wilson is third. But I, I think for Geno, you know, it's just he was really good last year. You know, and now he got another new weapon and hopefully he just builds off of it. Everything out of Seattle has been very positive. The fact that they didn't draft a quarterback, I think, is even more positive given the draft capital that they had. So they believe in him. They added weapons to his, his receiving core. And I think he could once again, be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Why Russell Wilson third? I mean, this is the guy who's been on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Now he has a good coach. What do you think? I think that he looked very bad last year. You know, and and even when he got better without Nathaniel Hackett, it wasn't exactly like, oh, I feel so much better about Russell Wilson now. You know, so he's got a a lot to prove. But these, these, all three of these guys, based on, you know, what two of them have showed and then what Russell Wilson still has, I think the potential to do when you draft an Anthony Richardson, these are easy guys to pair him with. When you miss on quarterbacks, he's take two of these guys. And so, you know, you can still have a very good season, especially if you, you know, decide to wait super flex or two QB leagues and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to punt on the position with the first, you know, probably three rounds. These are guys you can hopefully get starting in maybe late round three, but round four and still feel pretty good about your team. Just a quick little fact for you here. Geno Smith, he was the number five quarterback in fantasy, and everything I give you is going to be basically the same for four-point and six-point per passing touchdown league, so I'll just keep it simple. Um, He was number eight per game, Geno Smith, but based on his points per game, he would have been number 13 per game in 2021 and number 14 per game in 2020. So it is kind of an interesting thing to evaluate Geno Smith. Yes, he was really good last year, but based on previous season standards, the very best that we've ever seen from Geno Smith wasn't really that good. So does that matter, or are we just sort of expecting, you know, the end of that kind of crazy good quarterback play that we had? I I, I think that's the toughest part, not about Geno Smith, but the quarterback position this year. 
is evaluating last year's results in light of what we had seen the three years before. Because if the guys who were really fell back last year are the guys they'd been the three years before, then there's a lot of top 12 quarterbacks, Geno Smith and Daniel Jones included, that I think are go- may do the same thing they did and just be backups. Right. But even so, though, the cost of these guys, if you have a great team, and clearly injuries, poor play, all those things matter in, but the fact that you don't have to invest in the quarterback position, and if you're still getting a 20-plus per game score, that's a pretty good situation to be in. It may not be the perfect situation to be in, but it's still a good situation to be in. Schaefer, can we see our, our uh, FFT mascot? Can we can we throw them on the screen here? I mean, you got to. This is why you got to be on YouTube. YouTube.com slash fantasy football today. It's seriously, Holy it's the cutest. Wow. It is no joke. The cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. I thought you had a bear. <laughs> I thought it was a panda. Yeah, he's <laughs> so cute. His name is Libido or something similar to that. No, you, you nailed it. <laughs> what is it? Libido. Libido. Uh, I said libido. I did say that. He did. Yeah, uh, Lobinho means little wolf in Portuguese. Yeah, so he's very cute. Thank you, Shaver. Appreciate that. All right, three more quarterback sleepers. Who's your favorite? Derek Carr, Jordan Love, Sam Howell. Uh, it, Howell's not going to be your favorite. Right? He's way be, way down the list. But I think no, he's so he's intriguing, though. He's so intriguing, though, because, I mean, he ran for over 800 yards his final year in North Carolina. I mean, like, if he does that, clearly not 800 yards in the NFL, but if he runs – and gives you 400 plus yards rushing, that would be insane for what you're getting. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, all right. He's your favorite. How was your favorite over Car and Love? Yep. Okay. Car is my favorite. Yeah. Car would be my favorite of that group. But I, again, I think Howell is, is so interesting. I want to clarify Car is my favorite in a two quarterback league. Fair. But I don't I, like what am I hoping that Derek Carr does in a one quarterback league? To <laughs> be 14. Maybe he could be 16. <laughs> All right. Tight end. Tight end. Sleepers. Dalton Kincaid, Tyler Higby, Jawan Johnson, and Sam Laporta. They are all going after pick 130. Kincaid, Higby, Jawan Johnson, and Laporta. Uh, your thoughts, Jamie. Uh, I hope Kincaid does what you think he's going to do, which would be a top eight tight end. Um, look, again, attaching yourself to great quarterback play and, you know, not that he's going to play a traditional tight end role. At least that's the expectation. So I, I, I love the upside there. Uh, Laporta has got a six-game you know, chance to a six-game audition to prove that he deserves to be in a big role without Jameson Williams there. So looking for another weapon for the Lions. And as uh, Tim Twentyman said, um, looking good in the red zone. And then Jawan Johnson's got a... Uh, according to reports, already developing a nice rapport with Derek Carr. And Higby has a chance to get a lot of targets as maybe the second best receiving option for the Rams. I took Kincaid in a draft that we just did, the pick-by-pick for one of my teams. I I don't know if I was the last guy to take a tight end, but I was certainly one of the last ones. And I took him in round 12, 136th overall, I believe. So with this list here, or your own sleeper list, but this list of Kincaid, Higby, Jawan Johnson, Sam Laporta. If you're in a 12-team league and you're comfortable with one of them, you can just wait and wait and wait and wait to draft your tight end. So uh, there were actually two tight ends that went after you took Kincaid. I don't. Yes, was. there were, but I don't know that they were starters. They may have been backups. I'm, yeah, not I'm sure looking at it right now. Well, he's my starter. So. <laughs> uh, no, Chris took Laporta after you took Kincaid, and then he yeah. took with his last pick Higby. Um, and Dave took Dolchich to pair with Coppins. Okay. Yeah, Heath, I had a nice little subtle dig there on the, on the Dalton Kincaid like that. It's fine. Yeah, look, obviously, any, any tight end you're drafting around 12 might be someone that you're dropping. There's, there's, no, right. there's no guarantees there. Uh, that's it for our Sleepers episode. We will have breakouts on Wednesday's show. We will have the Dynasty episode tomorrow. And thank you very much for watching and listening, everybody. For Heath and Jamie, Fabinho and Schaefer, I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.